the curious lawyer, asking the legal questions you want to know the answers to. So I am back here with Nicola Garby today and we're talking about her impending arrival of a much-loved and expected baby in the in the next few weeks. <laughs> How are you feeling, Nicole? Oh, I'm feeling fantastic. And you oh, do God. look fabulous. The photograph looked awesome. <laughs> I did have to send that through. Being in COVID lockdown, no, not many people are experiencing um, the, the growth of the bump. <laughs> So I'm sharing that all all around the world. <laughs> well, that's the purpose of our discussion today. So tell me, what can we expect to hear in today's episode? Well, in today's episode, I want to share with you my journey into planned single parenting and how I came to that decision. Oh, wow. Okay, this is going to be interesting. So take me back. <laughs> Where did it all begin? Oh, geez. Well, I always pictured myself married, having children, um, and all by the time I was 21. Oh, wow. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> well, what, ha- what, what made you think that that was going to happen? I want to dive a bit deeper there. Oh, I think, um, I think the social norms that come around all the time and the expectations of uh, you you go to school, you finish your studies at uni, you meet someone, you get married, you have children, all the the general ideas of what is supposed to happen. All right. So what did happen for you? Well, um, pretty much that, except I didn't I didn't get hitched. <laughs> Stopped it before it was happening. But no, I, I it was on track. I was seeing seeing all that about to happen um but then I put a stop to it and then carried on single after that oh wow and like how old are you at this point in time then um well uh everything was on track for not 21 but maybe 22 um but by the time I was 27 was when I realized um it wasn't the path that I wanted to take um and stayed pretty much single until now I'm still single met other people along the way but but nothing as serious as when I was 18. So we spoke before and you were telling me a little bit about how your training your education in IVF really opened up your mind not necessarily changed your heart or your your beliefs around it at that stage, but it certainly opened up your mind about other alternative pathways for parents who couldn't conceive naturally. Can yeah. Talk to me more about that. Yeah. So I did start working in an IVF clinic and started to be exposed to many people, many single people, many couples who were trying to have children, were unable to have children, hence the main reason you go through IVF. Um, a lot of sad stories to see, but to experience all those different stories, um, it, it was something that opened my eyes. Um, and when I got involved with the donor program, um, 
I also met the donors and their reasons as to why they were donating and it just it just brought in all these different ideas for me of different family types and different ways families are created and it wasn't the whole standard go to school, finish your studies, meet someone, get married, have children. It's, it's not that white picket fence. Yeah, I guess a lot of people have those um, particular dreams and, uh, you know, visions of how their life is going to look. What were some of the ethical decisions that you sort of had to consider or the um, information in order to become a single parent? Well, I mean, prior to even thinking for myself to becoming a single parent, I started to um, see the different family types. So you've got your your standard uh, mother and father figure. Um, then we started seeing um, divorced families, um, so single parents. Uh, uh, we start seeing uh, same-sex couples. And then the the last thing I started to see were the single parents by choice. So... Um, that's, that's when I started considering how I felt about all these different options. Because mm, I guess there's a lot of families out there that aren't single parents by choice. Um, no. And they, Very hard. Yeah, they, they do report a lot that it's, it's difficult being um, and the challenges that they face. And then they've got, I guess they've got the complication of that past relationship and finding a new relationship and everything as well. So... What were some of the other things that you considered um, or experienced that helped you come to that decision? To become a single parent. Um, so I, what I wanted to explore was um, how I felt about becoming a single parent. Now, I had decided I certainly didn't have any issue with other people being single parents. Um but it was important to me to see how I felt about that for me, whether I was prepared to have a child, uh, raise it on my own and how my child would feel about that. Um, but when I would speak to um, mainly women, a lot of women about, um, well, going through this whole thing and what ideas were going through my mind, a lot of them were saying to me, well, they felt like single parents already, even though that they were uh, partnered, whether married or de facto. Um, a lot of the time I would hear is, well, my husband's never home anyway. So the idea then just started popping into my head of, um, well, what's the difference besides a second income? Mm. And what do you and think I the differences are? Now, I know uh, when I have mentioned that before, um, the comment is taken a little bit um, in an offensive way to some men. Um, when I say it, I'm more repeating what I hear um, and it's not to say that there aren't men out there who um, do enjoy raising their children. There certainly are. It's just unfortunate for me that I've not found uh, someone to do that with. So... I would like to um, have a family with, with someone. It just hasn't happened that way. But what I had realised is I don't need it. It's just something I want, but I don't need it. I can do this on my own. Do you think there's been a period of grief for you to come to that acceptance? 
I think it's taken quite a long time for me to accept I'm not going to have that uh, idea of uh, meeting someone, getting married, having children. I've had to come to the idea of it's okay, I don't have to. It did take a long time. It did. And when I froze my eggs five years ago, my doctor even said to me, do I want to freeze it using donor sperm? Um, and I said, no. I said, I couldn't, I could never think of that. I couldn't do it. Um, so it took me five years to uh, not accept the concept of it. I accept the concept of it, but to accept it for me. Mm. What were some of the barriers around that, do you think, now looking back? I felt that everyone has their own right to choose what they want to do. For me, I just wasn't sure I was comfortable uh, with raising a child without a father figure. But then when I realised that's just something that I wanted, it's not something I needed, that helped me accept um, um, that I could be a single parent. And it's okay. It's okay. I don't have to follow what society says to me. And I do think there's a lot less judgment these days as well around women being able to make those choices. But I would still say that there's a lot of people out there that would call you brave. (laughs) What do you say about that? (laughs) Yes. Uh, A lot of people have actually said that to me. Um, And I'm not the the first one to have done this. So I don't – I have never considered myself brave. Um, um, I can see why people put me in that category, but um, I – yeah, I just don't see it that way. Um, I'm just doing what I think is right and what I think I should do. Now, on that, I think that you, uh, you've you mentioned to me before about the would you do it? So you've gone down the path of, you know, I wouldn't do a, get a donor or I wouldn't have a baby on my own. Um, but what struck me before this conversation was the word should. You really questioned yourself as to whether you should do this. Can mm. you explain that a little bit further? Yeah, it was just more the ethical considerations behind it. Um, I didn't want to make any decision that I, at that time, thought was selfish on my part and not have any consideration to how a child would feel. After speaking with um, many women who have gone through this, um, and there are children who are adults now um, and have expressed um how they've been raised and what type of people they are it's not the um it's not the bad omen that everyone seems to place on it those kids are fine and they love their mums there's beautiful family relationships it's not the whole um mum dad children anymore because it's been tested there are plenty of families out there that have totally different family dynamics and as long as that they've been raised with love they're beautiful families Mm. and do you think it's then taken off the pressure from women to find a partner so that they can have children because there's there's a real potential now for us to have them without a partner definitely that yes it's just whether 
the women out there know that. And, and that's the thing is that as, so long as society keeps saying to us, you need a man in your life, the, the, the women are, are growing up from young girls to women believing that. Why are we having people telling us that and we believe it? We need, we need other women to stand up and say, you don't need that. You can do this on your, on your own. Um, and and that we're built for that. We are strong. We're a, we're a hell of a lot stronger than people make us out to be. I know. I, I've never felt stronger um, mentally, <laughs> not physically. <laughs> um, I've never felt stronger mentally ever in my life. And a friend of mine said that came on when I made that decision to do this on my own, and it's true. Mm. I, f- I feel fantastic. Mm. But I feel that you've also done a lot of the work to get to that decision. Like you've you've been quite um, reflective on your own personality and who you are as a as, as a beautiful soul and 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 how you show up in the world. <laughs> so it's not to go without um, acknowledging that either, because um, there are you know lots of dynamics out there um, for, yeah. for women and who they are and what they're capable of. But really, yeah. I think what you're saying is it's you limit your own own capacity or potential yeah well by not making that decision well when people say to me I can't that I'm I'm gonna sit there trying to figure out how I can because don't don't tell me I can't (laughs) maybe I can't but I tell me I can't no one tells me I can't yeah um but coming to this decision I was actually quite methodical about it um and logical and just placed in the the pros and cons boxes and gave myself time limits to decide certain things and and bits and pieces like that so let's let's walk through that then so when when did you make this decision to go plan single parenting well prior to turning 38 I said okay I'm gonna give myself between turning 38 and 39 I'm gonna give myself that one year to decide how I feel and what I'm going to do and not necessarily being a single parent, just the whole idea of am I going to have children? Do I want to have children? How do I go about this? Which included single parenting. At that point I was quite hesitant Um, but I said by the time I'm 39 I need to decide what am I going to do and how am I going to do it. And by the time I was 39 I just that, that was when I found my strength and decided, yes, I can. I'm built for this. Um, I don't need anyone to tell me what they think is right or wrong. Um, and then so at 39, that's that's when I decided I'm, I'm going to do this. And I decided 39 was my cutoff because as much exposure as I have to IVF and I know how hard it is, um, it just it even got lost in me. I just totally didn't think of the the time frame I, I was as simple as thinking um nine months I'll have this baby before I'm 40 <laughs> which didn't happen either <laughs> but you're not far off how not long far have, off not far <laughs> how long have you got to go uh, I got three weeks to go and I just had my 40th birthday um a week or two ago <laughs> I, th- I think you've so, manifested yeah. this baby <laughs> 
Yeah, I did say on the the eve of my birthday, baby, if you're going to come out now, you'll make me a thirty, a, a mother in my thirties. <laughs> so tell me how the, how the, how did the pregnancy go? Like up until now, how have you what what have you what have you learned about yourself? Learned about myself. Um, well, uh, one, I can get through it, and I'm already thinking, how soon can I have the next? A lot of people think I'm crazy. Um, this baby is part Irish, so um, uh, to put a double on that, um, <laughs> if we can have Irish twins at some point. <laughs> but look, I don't, I don't want to take my luck for granted. It happened for me straight away. Um, and I know um, personally some people who have absolutely struggled and struggled for over 10 years. Um, so I do not take this for granted at all, um, but I've got two embryos left unless I go through another cycle. I do have two embryos left um, and I don't want them sitting there. So going through the pregnancy, the first trimester was so hard so 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 hard um because I was um constantly sick I was on my back whilst working and studying two subjects at the same time um literally had my laptop um on my non-existent belly at that time (laughs) and um that that was hard the second trimester was still a little bit it was all right um, the sickness stopped at about five months, but from five months until now, I feel fantastic. Something that surprised me, at least at the beginning of my journey, was the reaction of those in my life. Um, like it took me some time to get my head around what I was doing and whether I was okay with it. Um, for others, I suppose they had little time to process, but the reaction was uh, quite hurtful, to be honest. Um, I had um, some people who just didn't want to talk about what I was going through, didn't want to even use the word baby. Um, and I even had a couple of people call me on the phone to actually tell me what I was doing in their opinion was wrong Um, and it was a very hard time, um, very, very hurtful um, because it wasn't even an opinion that they could keep to themselves. It was they had to make it known what I was doing and am doing is in their opinion wrong. Um, So so that that was quite hard. Uh, As time went on... um, You know, some people came around and uh, got used to the idea. I think what was uh, an embryo is now a baby and um, it's more acceptable in their minds, whatever the case may be. But that I found very hard. Um, With going through that and also in relation to how I think about life in general and with the work I do with IVF and surrogacy, um, combining that with um, my religion, I'm, I'm Roman Catholic. I don't really practice. 
but I have of late been going to church. Um, and it was more um, for me to try to, um, I don't know, find peace. I just, I found myself in, in a church uh, during Easter and it just seemed so peaceful, something I'd not felt um, ever. Um, and I don't know what it was. So I've, I've been going back and it's not because I practice or anything, but it was just something about it. And, um, and I decided to, uh, speak with the priest there who, um, oh, this fellow, he's just, uh, when, when he talks, it's, it's like no one I've ever heard before. Uh, not like any priest I've ever heard say anything before the the things that come out of his mouth are just um inspirational and I never thought I'd ever say that so um I had a chat to him one day and I was telling him about the conflicts that I had in my mind about how I think about life versus the Catholic teachings and um all his responses were completely unexpected and um, basically what I took from that was there's nothing wrong with what I'm thinking Um, but in relation to this child um, how the conversation started was because I I still would like to baptize the child and I wasn't sure if the church would um, be biased against me and say no you can't I, I didn't know I was too scared to even say can I do this this is the situation I'm in but when I opened up and spoke to him he quoted to me Pope Francis and said to me every child is a gift from God and there was no bias whatsoever it was just incredible and it was beautiful and I suppose going through this whole journey, what surprised me the most was that any bias I encounter came from younger generations and none, or virtually none, from the older generations, which I expected the exact opposite. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we're really looking forward to meeting him or her. Um, And I know that you do get asked this question a lot. Do you want to say anything (laughs) to that? (laughs) I do. I do get asked uh, about the baby's gender a lot. Um, I get asked, do you know if it's a boy or girl? Are you sharing that? I have decided to not find out. Um, I've decided to not even um, allow the doctor when the baby's born to tell me if it's a boy or girl. He's going to present the baby to me and the baby will reveal itself to me. Um, And... Look, it's first of all, there, there's the concept of it's it's a genuine surprise in your life. Um, why would you let someone tell you? that? That's just in my head. I want the baby to reveal itself to me. But more than that, um, it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter to me what gender the baby is um, because the baby is born a certain way and the baby grows up a certain way and I don't want to place any limitations by its gender. I want the baby to be who the baby feels it is. Um, so 
in that sort of theme then, what is your hopes and dreams for this baby that's about to come out? Um, look, I, I'd like to, I think any, any parent would like to transfer their own morals, ethics and beliefs onto their child. Um, but more so, I just want my child to be who they are, what they feel is right. Um, and, and whatever they decide to become and what sort of, sort of person they become in their life I want to support that I just want to make sure that there's no um I don't want to say that there's no bad influences my father always used to say you have to have bad influences to know what's right and wrong but um I just you know the 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 badness out there it does scare me you know being in the wrong crowd that scares me but sometimes you need to let them explore and I, I don't know I can't talk to that yet for other women in your in your position, what is your advice to them? The reason I want to send this message out and share my journey is I feel that there are a lot of women out there who are capable and they don't know they don't know that. We as women, we are strong and we're conditioned to think we're not as strong as we are, but we are. And anything that a woman wants to do, she can do. And once she finds that strength, she will be unstoppable. <laughs> I think that's quite powerful. Uh, well, that, I mean, that's quite inspirational because I think, you know, had I been told at uh, 24 when I was having my first child that you can do this regardless, uh, I don't think I would have believed it. So no, I'm hoping not at that 24. We, yeah, I'm hoping that we can empower a generation of women to, uh, to to not go after the dream and just create the life that they want to live. Well, yeah, yeah, because a lot of the time our dream is what we've been told mm. our dreams should be. Well, you know, and it impacts on careers and it impacts on mm. decision-making and whose job's more important and where the money comes from. But if you're in control of all of that, it makes it very easy um, to make decisions, I think. So, uh, well, I'm mm. very proud of you. I think you've done an amazing job <laughs> and watching you over the last uh, seven and a half months to, you know, and, and I remember the day that I found out, I was just so excited for you. I just thought, you know, got to, you're one of my heroes. I sit there and go, wow, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you're saying seven and a half months, but that, that would be quite accurate because I think I told everyone straight away (laughs) and that, that was four weeks. And that's another thing actually is everyone saying, why are you telling us so early? And and I thought, because they, they say to me, what if you lose the baby? And so if I lose the baby, at least I'm going to be mourning Mm. with you. And I think you're going to be there for me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a real myth that we do need to bust is that, you know, you can tell people and then people understand. Um, mm. and, and you've got then the support because, I, I, you know, especially for people who have had miscarriages or they've lost um, that pregnancy, um, they know that what the process is. I, I was that. waiting. I, I was waiting because it happened straight away. Mm. And my obstetrician, because I told him um, what I was planning, and he said to me, 
it's going to happen straight away for you. And I said, come on, you can't say that. You don't know. And it did straight away. I could not believe it. Um, and I just keep thinking, okay, when's something going to happen? When, you know, miscarriage or a problem, uh, you know, it, this has been a very good baby. It's, it's, um, I've had no issues all my levels have been fantastic. The the sugar has been great. Um, and today is three weeks to go. So I'm officially full term, apparently. Mm, um, yeah. I could not have asked for better. And, and I'm just so, so, so fortunate. I am often asked about what information my child will be able to access about their biological father um, and and at what point they'll be able to find out. Um, in turn, I'm also asked about whether the biological father can find out about um, any child conceived from his donation. Um, what's required here in New South Wales is that the birth of the child is recorded. Um, as to access, it's the child, once they turn 18, can access that information. They can find out who their biological father is. Um, and because the donor donated on the basis that he may be contacted one day, um, it's exactly that, he may be contacted one day. Um, I do believe... Um, over 18 as well, they're able to find out about siblings as well, um, siblings who were conceived from the same donor. Um, so the donor can't access specific and detailed information of children conceived and born from his donation. Uh, what I understand a donor is told is when there has been a birth. Um, so he'll be able to get the birth month and year um, as well as the gender of the child. So he'll know how many children have been born from the donation. But um, whether a child turns 18 or not is not something that entitles the donor to later be able to find out that specific and detailed information to be able to contact the child. That do it doesn't happen that way. It's the child who is entitled to access the information and contact the donor if they choose. But, you know, sometimes people want to find out beforehand, whether it's the child themselves or um, the mothers of those children or the parents of those children. And sometimes when there's um, agreement between each party that I do believe that that can occur. Um, I do know that my clinic has um, the facility to do something like that. They do allow the uh, recipients to register if they want to, um, to be able to contact each other. And that way um, the donor siblings are able to, you know, get to know each other at a much younger age and not have to wait till they're 18. I'm not sure if that's something I want to do. And I spoke to my counsellor about that 
you know, I got pretty good advice on that and that was basically just let the child lead the way. Well, we look forward to uh, hearing the next stage of your adventure is what I like to tell parents. It's an adventure. (laughs) Uh, You've got a big job ahead of you to um, bring an independent and capable member of society to fruition. So, well, I'm I'm still running my business. I'm still finishing off a major project for my masters, and I still have one more subject to go. And the baby will be three months. So, um, a lot of people have said to me, "Why don't I drop it? Why don't I defer?" Um, and like a good friend of mine put it, Nick, they just don't know you. Yes, so you are more than capable, more than capable of what you believe. Look, I'm going to try. Yeah. And like, I, like I've said many times before, I, I have a fear of not trying. I'm just going to try. And if I can't do it, I'll defer. Look, I, I believe that um, we can manage and I just I do not want to sit there thinking um, what could go wrong. Let me just deal with it when the time comes and I'll manage it at the time. Fine. Well, we're going to update everybody when he or she arrives. Um, yeah. and check in and let everybody know <laughs> how yes. it all went. Um, I will have to let you know what's happened. Yeah, but we will, uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing all about it and we just want to say big congratulations from your community and your network and your friends because um, you're, an ama- you're going to be an amazing mum already. Oh, so that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm proud to announce that Henry Michael Agabi arrived safely on the 21st of August 2021 and he and Nicole are doing well. We can't wait to meet him and wish them all the best. He is truly the miracle that Nicole talks about in this podcast and she is such an inspiration to women around the world. Hi Nicole, it's Steph here. Just wanted to say a big congratulations on the birth of your son and also for doing it alone when everybody told you it was a bad idea. You went ahead, girl power, and did it anyway. So proud of you. Well done, congratulations. Hi Nicole, it's Carla Richardson. Just wanted to say congratulations on the arrival of your beautiful little baby. Um, You're about to, or you have already started a wonderful journey, one of the best journeys in your life. It's just a roller coaster of emotions and you'll just love it. Congratulations. Hey Nicole, congratulations to your new bab. I hope you are enjoying him and best of luck. Hi Nicole, this is Tanya, your friend and Munchapath. And I just wanted to give you a message to say congratulations so much on your beautiful baby boy. I'm so, so happy for you and I know Henry's going to grow up in the most amazing loving home. So sending love and hugs. Bye. Hi Nicole, congratulations. I've seen the photos of Henry on Facebook. He's absolutely gorgeous. And I can't wait to see you and meet him in person after lockdown. Take care of each other. See you soon. Bye. Hey, Nicole. Just popping into your podcast to say congratulations on the birth of baby Henry. Jay and I are so proud of you and are beside you every step of the way on your new adventure of motherhood. 
I'll leave you with this quote. A baby arrives, and just like that, everything changes. The world gets bigger, the heart grows fuller, and life means so much more. We love you. Hi, Nicole, it's Michael. Just wanted to say congratulations um, on becoming a mummy to beautiful Henry. Um, can't wait to squish him. Um, he looks so adorable. Um, I don't know how you did it um, the last nine months. Um, you know, you showed great strength um, of character and determination, and uh, he's very lucky to have you um, as his mum. And um, yeah, looking forward to watching him grow up. Um, and um, yeah, congratulations again. I'm so happy for you um, and looking forward to being able to celebrate in person uh, sometime soon. If you have a question you would like answered, please ask in the comment box below. I'm Nicola Garby from Ellison Legal. For more information, click the link in the show notes.